BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 455 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Back with Vershawn Jackson on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. And over and Corey Dixon has some running room. 35, 40, he's in the open. 50, two men to beat. Got a blocker. 30, Corey Dixon down the sidelines. Cuts back, touchdown Nebraska. A flag is down. Hold on, a flag is down back at the 33 Husker territory. A brilliant return by the fastest man on the Nebraska team, Corey Dixon, maybe for naught. Pushing it back. Above the waist, 10-yard penalty. Nebraska's ball, first and 10. So instead of a 7-0 lead, it's Nebraska starting back at the 23-yard line. Wow. <laughs> wow. I was a true freshman when that play was taking place. I was in the building, and there was nothing. Corey Dixon, how we doing, man? Man, I'm good. I mean, I think you just broke my heart, you know, <laughs> listening to that part. <laughs> hey, I'm going to blame yeah. that on Nick and Rico. They're supposed to cut that junk off. They Man, let, that they broke let my the heart. penalty I was, I was all right, but every time I hear it, you know, in the process of it, my heart starts pounding. I'm getting excited. And then, then he says, but not. You know, that, that's, that's like a – man, that's a heartbreaker. What – like when you hear that, that call – um, not that, not that it, it got called back, but as a punt return man, in that situation, what are you thinking? Well, you know, I mean, being that that was a national champ, you know, that was the biggest of them all right there. So, you know, you're always looking to rise to the occasion and that for that opportunity to appear and for me to, to take it to the house. I mean, man, that's a dream come true. You know, for the world to see it, and all of a sudden for not, man, that's that's a heartbreaker. You know, it's like you know, that's a relationship gone bad. So you you had a pretty big game against Florida State. Um, what what do you remember most besides that punt return about that game? Well, you know, in preparation, you know, because when you think about Florida State, those teams that you know, we didn't see uh, in the Big Eight. You know, we, we, we thought like, man, these teams are fast. You know, I look forward to that. I get to play against, you know, some speed. So I, I looked up to it. So being in that kind of game, when you have DBs like Corey Sawyer or, or Clifton Abraham, you know, I grew up with him and played against him coming up. I mean, I used to, you know, kind of like this is going to be a, a nice competitive game, you know, with playing against some speed. I mean, I look forward to it and – uh with them kind of opportunities, uh, with speed, you, you have to kind of set people up. You know, I, you know, I had a takeoff on people. I could stop on a dime and then make you stop, and I take back off. So, I was looking forward to them kind of games. And you know, with playing against teams with speed, that, I think that was uh, a good creative concept. You know, for the way I played. Right. So, so let's talk about how you made it to Nebraska. What, 
How in the world did Corey Dixon wind up in Lincoln, Nebraska? Well, you know, I grew up. I knew back in, in when I was in the first grade, I wanted to come to, to the University of Nebraska. You know, you have to understand, I was a running back. I was coming up. You know, I was quarterback, running back, DB, but mostly a running back. I wanted the ball in my hands. So I was always a ball carrier, and Nebraska is known for having great running backs. So not really paying attention to, you know, I'm only 5'8", you know, 150 pounds in high school as an eye back, you know, man, I'm going to Nebraska regardless of what you say. I'm going. So they kind of gave me the concept that I could play wing back, you know, that I would still get the touches, you know, and, uh, some, you know, some, some dives and some sweeps. And I was like, that's right up my alley. And I can tell you, uh, they recruited me heavily. Uh, I think that was my first visit uh, of my senior year. And uh, when I met with T.O., he was like, hey, we only have so many scholarships. You know, what you going to do? Hey, coach, you don't have to ask me not one more time. That scholarship is mine. <laughs> so, so, man, I was there. You know, and then when I got there, you know, uh, being, you know, with, with the defense that we had, I'm talking about Coop and Pat Tyrants and Kenny and all those guys being the size that they were. And here I am, you know, I'm a small guy. And I saw uh, our first scrimmage, I saw Leotis Flowers get hit uh, so hard one time. I was like, nah, I'm not quite ready, you know, to take that kind of pounding or, or, or hits. So I kind of backed up a little bit and was like, well, just give me some screens, you know, give me something outside the tackles to where I got to let these guys chase me. And I had to kind of learn to play with more poise with these guys, you know, with Bruce Pickens, Tehan Lewis, T. Leggett. You know, they would kind of talk to him and tell me, you know, hey, slow down and, you know, play with a little more poise because the game, you know, they they knocking heads off out there. So, you know, I developed the patience, uh, you know, kind of understood how to play at the next level uh, and, you know, turn on the speed, when to turn it off. And uh, I learned that from those guys. So, how, how, how was it? You know, it, it's hard to believe when I think about, you playing against and now when I think about your size, you've always played so big. I never even thought about practice. I never thought about what in the world was was Dixon was CD doing, Corey Dixon doing with them nasty black shirts back then. Man, you know what? I mean, when you come in and you see all these guys with with muscles like they supposed to be performing on stage with a lot of grease on, you know. <laughs> These guys was huge. So my idea was, hey, I got to get in the weight room. You know, I got to get in the weight room. I got to get stronger and, and to be able to play with these guys. But I'm telling you, it, it, the game was, was – the programming was in practice because, you know, and it was harder because they knew all the plays that you would run when we go to line up against the black shirts or, or whoever. They, they knew our signals, and it only made us better. It only made us better. And – uh if we can get some completions against the black shirts, we knew we we knew we were uh, ready uh, uh, for the for the next game. We knew. Who would you say was was uh, uh, super important in the development of Corey Dixon as far as players or bigger brothers you looked up to? I mean, I want to give uh, you know big ups to uh, definitely T.O. would always you know have the meetings. Coach Brown was very deep, you know. In, intuitive in, in, in my growth, uh, you know, as, as coming in, in into back in 1990, man, Bruce Pickens, Reggie Cooper, you know, Tahan Lewis and those guys, man, I would compete against them guys every day, every day. And uh, we would always kind of earn the respect as athletes and become brothers competing at that level, and I looked up to those guys because they had been in the game longer than I than I was, and I, it was new to me. And you take people like uh, John Bostic, Nate Turner, Tyrone Hughes, kind of took me up under their wings and kind of taught me the ropes. Dang, that was a big-time contract, big Nate Turner, man. Shout-out to Nate Turner. His son's going to Wayne State. Shout-out to – Oh, yeah, yeah, you, yeah, Nate doing his thing. Yeah, even uh, Keith McCant's son going to Wayne State, too. Yep. We building yep. something at Wayne State, boy. Look out. Oh, yeah. CD, yeah. if you got some players in Texas, man, we need to know about them. If they, you know what I mean? Because y'all got some players that might not, you know, just because of numbers might not make it to the, but, boy, they can come and get a scholarship and come to Wayne State and 
win hey, championships. We, we, hey, we got a lot of talent here, man. I'm talking about, you know, me being out there in the stripes, man, on Friday nights. Man, I see a lot of talent coming coming through here, man. I mean, definitely they need to come get some of that, you know, some of that Midwest action. Now, you you you, you told me about being that ref and being being out there in the stripes. What's What's the difference in the game today than it was yesterday? You know, the rules have changed. You know, the game is is so soft now. You know, uh, the game is soft. But, of course, it's to protect the players because, man, with the speed these guys play today, man, it's, it would be dangerous if you left some of the rules that we were able to play with back in the day and if we were able to play today. But, you know, the rule change, man, I, I, I think it's a great change, even though a lot of, of the old school players would think the game is too soft. But I, I think it's uh, I think it's the right, you know, the right method of, of where the game is today, especially by being out there on the field. I never thought that I would become a ref, but a few uh, former teammates got me out there, Michael Booker, DeJuan Gross, mm-hmm. you know, them, them guys out here reffing at, at one point in time. I kept saying, nah. You know, I don't do the referees. Yeah, you know, I'm mad. I'm kind of mad at the refs because they made some bad calls back in the day. You know, so I can't. You can write the it, ship but, now, Corey. You can write the ship. You can make. You can make it right now. Well, you know, the thing of it is, is once I got involved, you know, because I wanted to be around the athletes. You know, I would train some guys. You know, want to get into coaching a little bit, but you know what I said? Let me learn the game. And let me be out on the field with these guys as a deep flank. And, man, it, it's been fun. So, you know, and I can kind of understand in, in some fashion how some refs can get it wrong, but I don't want to get it wrong wrong. You know, you might miss some calls, but you only throw what you see. You know what I'm saying? So I've learned that. And I've, I've uh, with one of, you know, the vacs out this way, I asked him, man, who was who was the ref that called that game? He told me he would find out. I just wanted to talk to him and just see what what he saw, because I think that would that was that would have been a nice uh, championship for us, you know, the year before they actually won one, you know. So I've been in research mode all these years to find that ref that threw that flag. Well, listen, I sure hope you find him because I want to talk to him with you, <laughs> maybe attacking the justice point his butt. But listen, when we get back, we're going to be talking to Corey Dixon, one of the best punt return men. And, Corey, I want to get your yeah. top ten best punt return guys. It doesn't matter, college or pros, when we get back. It's Vershawn Jackson, The Ticket, 93.7. Back with Vershawn Jackson on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. Yeah, hey, CD, that kind of got me a little ready to go a little bit. <laughs> if you yeah, ain't yeah. up on game, man. <laughs> yeah, hey, when, when you when you told me that, it took me back, and I was just thinking about what was going on. So, so Corey, the difference, what is the difference between a punt returner and a return specialist? Question. You know, a punt returner is, is yes, just- anybody that can go back and return punts. You know, people think that just because you can catch the ball or somebody is just a decent athlete can go back and just return punts. But but as a return specialist, it's just something that, that you cannot teach, that it's a gift that, that he has as a specialist, and he's able to see and feel pressure without even looking. You know, uh, he's a, a, a threat. I mean, he makes teams – feel like we're, we will not kick him the ball because when he touches it, I don't care who's on the field, he's hard to catch. He's hard to tackle. I mean, he just has this specialty in him that he just make people miss. Do you have any particular game that you remember that, that that's your all-time favorite return? And you know what? You know, for, for me – I used to always, back at the time, being uh, you know a young guy, I used to always feel that teams would kick away from me, you know, or, or try to you know keep the ball 
from it to where I wouldn't really get the touches that I needed in order to make some things happen. But I do know, I think we had a game in Boulder one year. Uh, I think I didn't actually take one to the house. But it kept kicking me the ball, man. I know those guys was even cursing during the game, like, man, he's quick. I ain't know, I've never seen somebody this fast. Whoa, you know, and I would run out of bounds and be on that sideline. They were like, man, he quick. You know, I heard a ref tell me, he said, hey, you the quickest thing I've ever seen. And he, this is coming from a ref. So I think when I was getting those touches, I was just looking for the opportunity to make make some, make two or three people miss. And, and that's. You're breaking up a little, Corey. How, first two guys miss on a punt, punt return. Right. Okay, talk on that. Talk on that a little bit about how important it is to make the first man miss. Well, you know, it's very important because that's how you set it up. You, you Once you make that one person miss, now you don't work with some other guys on the field alone. And him because he's coming in. But okay, so, Corey, listen, we're going we're gonna to try to get a better connection. Okay. You break, you breaking up, so we're going to – we gonna we gonna go to break. Am I breaking up? Yeah, you breaking up a little bit. So we're gonna take it to break and then we're gonna see if we can't get that situated and then we'll be okay. right back. It's the ticket, ninety three point seven. Coming at you live from the Copple Chevrolet GMC studios in the heart of Lincoln, America, on air and online at the ticketfm.com. Here he is, for Sean Jackson. Ah yeah. And we back. And we back. I think we got CD back back online. CD, you there? Yeah, yeah, I'm here. I'm okay. here. If you joined us late, if you want to get in, Sider Heyman text line, 464-5685. I'm having a conversation with my big brother, Corey Dixon. Corey, before we get to the, my next question, is uh, Aaron Davis says, Big bro, Corey Dixon. One of the man, best. that's my man, AD. Yeah, one of the best. Hey, be- hey, he, hey, he, he was a part of the itty bitty small committee, you know. Yeah, the itty, the itty bitty small committee, the itty bitty receiver committee. <laughs> we we gonna we gonna dig into that. So so he says uh, one of the best to play uh, uh, the position, legend. And then uh, Nate to skate, you know who Nate to skate is right. Yeah, big, yeah, that's my man. Big Nate Turner says, man, tell Corey that Nate to skate says what's up, human joystick. Corey was a game changer yeah. for show. Man, that's my man. That's there wouldn't brother right there. You was the joystick, the human highlight film before Dante Hall, Tariq Hill. Uh, there was a Corey Dixon that I think I wish we would have been able to get a chance to see you play a lot longer than you did on the next level. But we, we know the NFL means not for long, so it ain't for everybody. Right, right, right. Injuries, injuries are all part of the game, so – so we was talking about punt return. What's the most important piece or part of a punt returner? Well, I think you, you have to understand the situation. Uh, see the ball off the punter's foot. You know, see where your gunners are. You know, you take you, – I look. I used to look up about two or three times before I even caught the ball. So I kind of knew what was going on. And you have to know how to set up the return once you get the ball. You know, we could have a return right set up and the ball is kicked to the left. So you have to know how to set that up so, so you know that you guys are in place without making the, the clips. So you just have to have this, this knowledge about sit, being in situation, you know, being in a situation to make things happen and make the first guy miss, make the first guy, the second guy miss, and on to the return. Try to get the most of it uh, that you can. Who we we talk about punt returners? If you had to put who who are the guys that you emulated? Man, I, you know, if you go back, I used to look up to uh, Eric Metcalf. You know the way he used to return punts. Man, I thought I thought he was amazing. Uh, my mentor when I was with Atlanta, uh, Billy Weishu Johnson. Man, he was a a nice return specialist. And he used to kind of give me some some pointers too. So. Billy Whiteshoes Johnson, of course, you know, Deion Sanders, you know, it's like, man, who who can touch that? You know, you got guys like uh who was that? Devin Hester was was a great return specialist. Mm-hmm. I think Dante Howard was a great guy. And you and you compete with guys like Desmond Howard and you see what they're doing uh uh 
across the way on the other side when we're playing. So, you know, it was was, um, friendly competition. If if they're up, then you try to get the same. Uh, And like I say, I like to watch Tyreek Hill today. Mm -hmm. I mean, man, that that guy, I mean, that's – he can fly. I mean, that joke can turn them wheels on and he can get out there. But, you know, I don't I don't see why he returned more punts than he does. When you when you look at uh, Nebraska football today in the return the punt return game, what's missing? You know, I, I can't really say what's missing. Uh, you know, and I, I don't really want to say w- w- what's missing. I think I think opportunity if, if the opportunity presents itself. I think we're always capable of making something happen, but I, I don't well, want to I mean, say is it, I is haven't it, is seen it blocking? that special is it, guy. Yeah, is it? But I'm saying when I say what's missing, I mean, is it, you know, you guys, and I, I say you guys and being me too, but you guys back when you played the, the, punt, the punt team and punt return teams were savages. The guys around you, you know, that's, to me, when I say what's missing, I mean, is it is it a, is it being aggressive? Is it the guys blocking on the outsides, or is it just having that special punt returner, the specialist? Well, I, I think I think it's all you know. Uh, it, it it it's all it's a team sport. But if you do have that one return specialist that can make things happen, and you know, that's something that's a plus. You know, I, I think I was telling you before, when I got to Atlanta, you know, I, I was like, I wasn't big on punt return. I mean, uh, kickoff returns, and wouldn't nobody go out when we were practicing to uh, to uh, return the kickoff. So I said, you know what? Let me go out here. I'm gonna go return a kickoff with no blockers. We didn't have. I was. It was just me on the receiving side versus the kickoff team. And believe it or not. I took three to the house on all 11 of those guys with no blocking. Coach got mad and made us do it over and over again. That's something special, not to take away from the team, but it was just the way I set it up. So imagine if you could do that without anybody being out there, you doing that with 10 of your guys out there. That's, that's, a, that's a dangerous piece to have. Super dangerous piece, but it's a game changer because – I mean, like T.O. used to say, the special teams is worth 7 to 10 points, period. All, yeah, all the time. Right? All the time. So, yeah, so, definitely. So, so you make it to Nebraska, you get recruited, you come to Nebraska because you was running back, and it was running back you at the time. I definitely understand. I think Coach Osborne, he recruited all running backs from different shapes and sizes and then converted mm-hmm. them to different positions once they got there. Because there's a lot right. of people. I said when when Lawrence Phillips came to Nebraska, there's a whole bunch of guys who got different positions. Right, right. As soon as he stepped, as soon as he stepped foot and he started <laughs> doing what he was doing, a whole bunch of people got some different positions out there. Um, when you came to Nebraska, you redshirted. That meant you were on scout team. Yeah, we started out, you know, in, in my red shirt, I end up, yeah, in a red shirt, and end up that turning, I end up becoming the Prop 48, but I was on the scout team. But me, along with, with Kenny Wilhite, would go against, you know, the black shirts when we getting ready to play Colorado or somebody, when they had Hagen and B. Enemy, mm. you know, to go up against our defense with some speed and quickness. So we definitely would go out and, and perform, and, and that makes you better. A lot of people think, like, man, you're on a scout team. You know, that's big and huge because that, that helps uh, prepare the defense for what's, what's to come. And when you have guys like myself over there, you know, K-Dub, you know, when Lawrence came, I think when Lawrence and Abdul, when Abdul came in, it was, it was like almost the first time that I've seen where freshmen would just come in and start. Mm. You know, because when I got there, the whole the whole crew of people that came in redshirted. Oh, we didn't have not a, a freshman to start when we first came in that ninety crew. Wow! But when Abdul came in, he I think he was probably a freshman to start. Then we got T. Frazier coming behind that. Mm-hmm. You know, he started as a freshman. I think LP was a freshman. LP was a my, freshman. my junior senior year. So yeah. yeah. So the tables were turning. So so who was that guy? Who who was the biggest hitter? Uh, at practice for you, who who would you say was the biggest hitter? Man, the 
big man. The black we had some hitters, but I, I, I mean, we, when we say biggest hitters, like I'm saying, who's that I'm, guy in practice that you knew you either gonna get down or get down I'm, I'm, when he coming? Yeah, I'm. I'm gonna take you back. I'm gonna take you back from when I first came in. When I first came in, you got cats like Reggie Cooper would come and, and rock the bell, you know. And then you would take it back. Once he left, you'd have somebody like Steve Carmel would mm. come up and hit. Uh, Troy Dumas would come up and hit. And I tell you, from quarterback to defensive back, you know, uh, we had a lot of guys that would just just. Uh, 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 come up and just bust you even this and i'm gonna tell you i used to look at mike miller like hey man we the same side <laughs> yeah but bob mike miller would come up and bring the wood <laughs> and break you out of your whole body man mike i had mike miller on we talked man and i said that that dude is the nicest killer out there on the field he will destroy you hey and pick you back up, like, hey man, man the, you okay? The coolest, the coolest guy you ever deal with, man. He was so cool, man. And but he he could he could definitely come up and rock the bell. Yeah, he hit you, he hit you, he hit you in the mouth, and and, and you be bleeding. He was like, hey man, let me give you a band aid, man. Yeah. My bad, hey, dog. I'm like, but what I was saying too, from 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 quarterback to DB, Omaha's own Tony Vila would would, would bust you Ooh, up too, man. Velo. Velo was – that's what I'm saying. Coach Osborne – and, and maybe it's a different era, I guess. But and because cause there there's so many specialized players now. Like, you know, players aren't playing football, basketball, track, or football, basketball, baseball, or football, wrestling, you know, track. They're not doing that. They're doing one thing. Does that hinder progress when you are a one-track sport mind type player? Hinder, I, I, I think it's, it's based on the program you're in. You know, I, I think today a lot of the kids are focusing on being one sport athlete. When I would, I would tell any kid to do multiple things if it's possible. You know, just because you never know what that what that end game might be. You know, I, I played football, I ran track, I was point guard you know, uh, coming through junior high and part of high school until I decided to just stick to football and track. And I think that kind of paved the way to be, you know, kind of be uh, universal. Mm. But I, I definitely think uh, linemen need to, you know, post up in basketball games and or whatever, you know, going to make you a better athlete. If you want to get in, the Sider Heyman text line is 464-5685. If you want to call in, Honda of Lincoln Hotline, 464-5685. Uh, going back to the to text line, Nate the Skate's going in today. The Skate said, <laughs> the State said, he says, uh, Corey Dixon, Tyrone Hughes, that's what's missing. Dogs is what's missing. <laughs> hey, T. Hughes, that, that was my roommate. Hey, that was my mentor too, man. Who was that faster? was my roommate. Who was faster? You know. Who was faster? Who, who was faster, me or T. Hughes? Yeah, because y'all, see, you guys were on – the relay team and you ran a hundred as well, right? You know, yeah, we did. T Hughes and myself and, and, and coach was able because it took three years for me to get out there and run, you know, because I hadn't ran track since my senior year in high school, went to state and all that. And I was like, ah, I need to focus on football, you know, and he finally got me out there and we, we jumped into that four by one relay and I think we helped we helped uh we helped the guys out. And just to get some points at the, in the Big Eight, coach was like Corey, we need you to run the hundred. I'm like, coach, I hadn't ran, I ain't came out the blocks in so long. It's, it's you know, I hadn't even practiced that. And little be be known is that I won my heat in the Big Eight. I won the heat, and I came back in the finals, man, in lane lane five. I think I had the second fastest in the prelims. And I think just with that on me, I think I end up getting like what third or fourth, mm -hmm, and I mm -hmm. had never practiced. So that's just kind of tell you that, man, if I would have really, really, truly practiced, you know, the sport, man, I could have been something special in, in, in track. Well, I, I looked at that, and you guys got first, though, in that relay. Well, that's the relay. You know, we, we, we kind of shocked them on the relay because I think we was going like, what, 39-9, you yeah, know. Y'all was rolling. We, yeah, we was doing, doing it up, you know. And then yeah, fourth and a hundred is is I mean to not run before and to go out there 
that just a, a test of, of the athlete I'm talking about. Not very many people can can double, not only be successful in the football field, but then turn around and be at the highest level of track from guys that had been there two, three, four years developing right. their track craft. You come in off the street, you know what I'm saying, <laughs> take your pants off, put on the cleats, and then you bombing people out there. Yeah, so. hey, and that was surprising because I was expecting to be like, you know, wow, you know, this is this is about to be embarrassing, you know, because these guys practice year round. They run indoor, you know. Coach used to tell me, Corey, you could you could win the the, the sixty nationally. You could win the sixty if you would run. I kept like, nah, coach, I need to focus. Well, nah, well coach, I need to. Focus. Well, Riley did Man. just that though. Doggone Riley Washington, he did just that. He won the sixty. Yeah, yeah, you know, and, and coaches always tell me to do it, and I never would. Dang, man. That's being hard-headed, you know, yeah. stubborn and hard-headed. What, so, you know, when you talk about that stubborn and stubbornness and hard-headed, because we all got a little bit of that in us, or it's a different degrees, um, what are some of the regrets that you wish you would have listened to in your career? Like, uh, when I first came back out, after my freshman year, you know, after the, the prop, Coach Brown asked me to red shirt. And I was like, I already set out of here, Coach. You know, I, you know, I want to play. I'm ready to play. Looking back at it now, I wish I would have taken that year again just to develop mentally and physically. Mm. And I could have had not what I believe the first championship that I truly think we won in 93, but I would have been a part of that next phase of championships that you guys all brought in, mm-hmm. you know, I could have shared some of that live and in color with you guys. So I regret not, you know, taking that extra red shirt year, uh, add known and probably could have been, you know, got my master's within doing that as opposed to just my bachelor's. Mm-hmm. So that, those are some things that you look back at and like, wow, you know what? I wish I would have done that. And listen to some of the older guys who come in and talk about how we pick and choose an agent to take you to the next level. I think that was a big mistake. Not to knock what what happened in my NFL career, but I felt like uh, choosing the right agent is key, uh, you know, to your uh, professionalism. And and, and, and when you say that, it's because your agent, you know, we was talking and I was telling you about Kansas City when I got cut from Kansas City and, and my agent never informed me that I was cut. And so the the agent, you're only good as your agent. If your agent is a good salesman and he can sell right. you good, then you're going to be okay because he's going to sell right. you to the one who wants you the most. Right, right. And that's what you got to have. He's got to be your biggest spokesperson. And I feel like, you know, I, I, my agent, I, I, you know, and it's just my opinion. You know, I, I just think that, you know, I, I, I wasn't all of that. You know, if you got three return guys or receivers on your roster, who do you go market, you know? And I just feel like, you know, uh, kind of like how my wife would feel. I got to be number one. <laughs> right. Period. <laughs> you know, so, you know, you just have to make, you know, uh, business decisions. And I think coming out of college, man, college is fun. You, you experience the game. And then when you take it to the next level, man, it's it's business for real. You You know, you never know. You get fined for being late to practice, mm. you know, your, your socks down or shirt, you know, pulled off your shoulder pads during one play, you're close to a fight, that's a fine. So it became a business. So, you know, it's just the knowledge is power. Besides, truly, I truly, besides yeah. the business piece of the NFL, what's some of the differences that you experienced when you went to the NFL? Well, the speed of the game was faster. The game was faster. Players were smarter. Uh, and I can understand why they say if you declare to go to the NFL and if you don't make it, you can't come back to college. I truly understand why. Why? You why? Learn, Tell you me. learn so much. Oh, you you'd be too so much, much of a weapon. Next level that if you come back, man, you, hey, man, you dominate the game. Never thought about that. Never thought about yeah. that. Nate the Skate is still on the road, man. He is not. <laughs> <laughs> Nate, Nate the Skate. <laughs> the Nate the Skate Turner, big bro. He's still on the road, so he's my big brother. I got to read it. He say, let Mickey go shopping and get some groceries so we can have a decent meal. <laughs> <laughs> or keep eating spam sandwiches. <laughs> hey, 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 
Mick, Mick gonna do what he do. Mickey Joseph, he's he's gonna do what he do. I mean, he's always been smart, man. He's I know he's gonna bring something special to the staff. I I feel it. I know he's gonna do it. How was that playing with Mickey? Man, I tell you what, man. Mickey Mickey was 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 a comedian, man. He was smart. <laughs> you know, he could run. He he knew the offense. And it's like him and T.O., the way he used to treat T.O. is like he had the keys to T.O.'s house. He was so close to T.O. Wow. You know, and, and we could be in the huddle sometimes, and some of the play calling, he would be like, whatever we do, don't make Kenny mad. Don't make Kenny mad. Ready? And we break. And we just knew not to make us. Once you make Kenny <laughs> mad, man, I mean, it was. You talking about Kenny Walker? You talking about Kenny Walker? Yeah. Ken- yeah. What happens if you make Kenny Walker mad? Man, can't nobody stop Kenny Walker if he's mad. Nobody. You can bring the Army, whoever. They would not be able to stop Kenny Walker if he's mad. Uh, right, right. Oh. So Mickey would tell you, whatever you do, don't don't make him mad. Oh, man, that is really good, man. So, <laughs> like I said, man, Nathan Skate is still on a roll. He says, he says, he says, development is a lost art. You know, again, we we come from the school of hard knocks. You know, I feel like guys before me, you know, and, and from us, we, we built a, a, a nice program, and a lot of us are truly spoiled to what the game was. And we have to kind of see the, the development of where the game is today. You know, how, how do we mix that in to, to you know, to be – you know, competitive with you know, we we could talk about skill sets or or teaching the teaching the game to these guys to be able to match up with with Ohio State or Michigan. I do think we can compete with those guys, but I deal with a lot of athletes. Not knocking the single parent homes and like that, but sometimes these guys, man, they get mad and they want to walk off the field. They they spoil. You know, back in the day. If we got mad and walked out the field, you get slapped upside the helmet or whatever the case may be, and you better get out there and get mad and show us what you got. But you got cash now. They'll get up in the transfer portal because they're unhappy and they out of there. Speaking you of know, that, what do you think about what do you think about the transfer portal? You think it's good or bad for college football? Eh, I don't. I don't think it's good. I think they need to kind of change the rules in a sense to where you have to really, really, truly have a, a definite good reason to, to transfer. Cause I know kids get unhappy, and you might not ever get an opportunity depending on where you where you went, but you chose that. So, like I think back for us, in order to transfer, we would have to sit out a year or something like that. Mm-hmm. We couldn't play. So I, I I think it needs to be something in the game to where these guys just can't get mad and just say, "Hey, I'm transferring. I'm gone." You know, the next week. You know, I just think it's unfortunate. But I do hear the other side of people saying, "Well, coaches can do it. Why not players?" You know. So I think that's just you know. That's something that, I mean, that's real spit. When you, that's a real situation. Coaches can do it. Why not yeah, players? Coaches, I get yeah, that. Why not the players? Yeah. I, so, so I, I can't really just debate that. I just don't like it. But for some kids, you know, because if you look at who did it, uh, I think Jalen Hurts. It was a better situation for him at the time when he transferred. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Kyler Murray when he did it. It, it was, and he had to sit out and wait behind uh, uh, Baker Mayfield when he did it, but it worked out for him. Mm-hmm. So it seemed to work for those guys. So hopefully it works, you know, for some of the other guys that are doing it. But I just think you have to have good, prominent reasons to do it. NIL. Man, I wish I could have had it. Man, we missed it by <laughs> 30 years. <laughs> hey. Well, you know, man, I wish I could have had that. Uh, man, listen, I mean, I, oh, man, I, you, how much was you, you remember how much you was getting a month on your scholarship check? I, I can't, I can't remember, but I knew after I paid my rent, I only had ten dollars left, and I, and that was, was it four hundred, four five hundred? I mean, yeah, if you got four five hundred, then you had a, you had a secret deal that I didn't know nothing about. Because when I got there, man, that check was like three sixteen. Was it? Cause I oh you know Bruh. what I take I take that back. My rent was three ninety at Ruskin Place, and I had ten dollars left after I paid my rent. Bruh, this is this is this is. I mean, on one end, I think the NIL is good, 
on another end, I think it's not because of because it it, it breeds prima donnas who haven't done anything on the football field, and it says, "Give me money for the potential to play." Right. Yeah. They may need to to to, to change the rules. You have to be kind of like how they switched it over a while back in in uh, football or basketball. You know, you couldn't. You have to play a certain amount of years to be able to go into the NFL or the NBA. You know, they have to probably be able to, you know, recreate something to where you got to be at least a junior or a senior or in order to get the deal because now you got to work for it. You mm-hmm. can't just come in saying, I got an NIL deal and it helps me to come to this uh, university. Yeah, well, we're, we're, when, when they're just giving out, it, it, there's got to be something tied to it. They've got to tweak it. Because now all you got is is a, a, a college free agency, basically. That's in, pretty much in, in what it is. That's, that's yeah, yeah. I, I look at that and kind of agree with with Saban on on how they changed the game of football with with the playoffs. Because now the other bowl games really don't mean much. But does that of, does that even the, the even the playing field though now with Nick Saban? Whereas you know Alabama has such a, a hold on the top recruits. That now you got the Texas A and M that's throwing money around. You got Texas throwing money around. These teams now are catching up and getting five star, multiple five stars because they're paying that big money. Is are are the other teams going to catch up with Alabama now that this is going on? You know, you know. I mean, again, when, when we when we play the game, when we play the sport, you know, the game that we love. You know, we used to dream about, you know, making it to the NFL. Now cats are dreaming of trying to get to college because I can make money in, in, in college and, and don't even have to try to make it to the NFL. I just think, man, it's because it's unfair to some schools, a lot of schools. Imagine when, back when we were in the Big 8 and we were always winning the Big 8 versus Oklahoma or Colorado at the time. You got somebody like Kansas, you know, Missouri, you know. We still had to share that money with the Big Eight. Oh, that's right. You know, yeah. we had to share that. It so now you box. got Texas with with with, with all this money and, and and bringing the kids in. I, you know, I just don't think when we start putting the finances into the game with kids coming out of high school, man, I, I definitely think that that's a game changer and it kind of watered down the sport a little bit because now these kids are just choosing. I'm gonna go where the money is. So and it's unfortunate. It 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 really is because it's a lot of times. I mean, if when you're just chasing the money, sometimes you forget it's the 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 nuances of the game, the love of the game is being taken out of the game because now it's a business. It's a business, and a lot of kids don't understand the business coming out unless you have. Now we got agents coming out of high school. Where we do that at? You know. We have to get attorneys coming out of high school to, to help you dissect this contract when you get these NIL deals. Man, I tell you what, if if it was happening with us, I know I felt like I'd have had a nice little deal I, yeah, somewhere. I, I I'd agree with that one hundred percent. I mean, just like uh, you know, you got Texas linemen, Nate, Nate the Skate. We talked about this. They they're getting fifty thousand dollars a year. Now, whether or not they play or not, if they're on scholarship, they're getting 50. And I always say this. It would have been nice of them to put $5,000 or something into some type of CD when we played at Nebraska, and then we get it when we turn 50. Yeah, that would have been nice. Definitely nice. You know what I mean? That would have been a nice little gesture. Because we still don't want to take away. We don't want to take away, and it might not – sound like much but you know me coming from texas and i and i never claimed residency in in nebraska with the out-of-state fees and all that but i would say that my scholarship had to be over a hundred and some thousand dollars uh four years you know so we were already not, we were already paid professionals you know so basically i got a yeah i got a degree i don't have student loans when i came out you know so you don't want to downplay that hey you know, I got a nice little, little chunk of money uh, to, to get my education. And now adding on to getting that education and to get money from, from man. 
Yes, yeah, it's an extra added piece that might not be go as well as they think it's going to go. Hey, listen, Sider Heyman text line, 464-5685, the ticket. I'm talking to Corey. Corey, the man, the highlight film, Dixon. When we get back, we're going to talk about the little bitty receiving committee. With Vershawn Jackson on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. So fresh and so clean, clean. Yeah. Intimate conversation with my big bro, my big little bro. Um, you know, before we get to the itty bitty receiver committee, when I came to Nebraska in 1993, I remember you were the catalyst in just making me say, I want to work hard in the weight room. Who were you working out with and why when you was at the University of Nebraska? You know what? I I would work out with the running backs because I used to watch the way those guys would lift. You know, D. Brown, Calvin, and, you know, a lot of those guys would lift. And then sometimes, you know, and it's funny to say because T. Hughes would come up in there and, and plug up the waist and go get his paper signed, and he was on to the Hewitt. You know, he was on – to go get something to eat. I'm like, man, I can't work out with you. You, you don't want to get it in, you know. But I was a small guy, you know what I'm saying? So, uh, I, I do, you know, I used to try to get Abdul. Hey, come on, let's let's hit, let's hit this iron. But those guys that were running backs, you know, they were gonna kind of stay late in the weight room. So I kind of dissected my program or my ethics around those guys. How important is it to stay late in the weight room well you just want to make sure you know you have to have a goal in mind what's your goal you know what are you looking to do and I want to to be strong you know a lot of people will probably look at me and say he's a small guy but if you saw me in a beater you know hey he was kind of cut up you know neck and got swollen (laughs) but I I think it's that's the key to it you have to have a goal and of where you want to be and I just didn't want to be a, a, a look guy with no strength to be able to, you know, you got to understand, you know, we out there trying to block linebackers, safeties, you know, that hurt if you hit them guys just running up in there trying to hit somebody. So you have to have some strength. So the weight room was imperative that you gain. That's why you gain your strength at. What, what, so let's talk about the, the, the itty bitty receiver committee. Where did that come from? How did it get started? And who were the members? Well, you got myself, Abdul, Reggie Ball, uh, Aaron Davis, A.D., big brother, shout-out to him, uh, Riley Washington. You know, all these – I mean, I'm telling you, we were all, what, 5'8". Abdul might have had an inch over me. Abdul might be 5'9". Uh, we all around the same size. I'm thinking that in the books you might have – I'm 5'8", 170 when I'm really 5'8", 165. 5'7", 160. <laughs> he said 5'7". I won't ever give you 5'7", you know. I won't ever give you that. But that's where we kind of started it, you know, because the ideal of it was we were all small guys. But the way we ran our offense, man, we have to have guys on the ground in order to be successful at running our offense. So, you know, we running – Nine routes, fly routes down the field, and next thing you know, I done cut my cut my my DB. He down. Next thing you know, running back coming by you. You know, I'm running across the field. You know, cut blocking. You know, or, or stalk blocking. When we when we sitting inside the red zone, you go up and stalk blocking. You got to be able to hold those blocks in order to be successful on offense. So, going through the season, you know, we like man, we doing what we do, and then. We hear uh, about the guys over at Notre Dame, I think that's who it was. It was the Afros, America's finest receivers on Saturday. And I was like, nah, you know, we can't let nobody outdo us because we balling. So guess what? You know, we we the itty-bitty small committee, you know, and that's where it came from. I don't know if it was AD, uh, uh, Coach. We just came up with, with the name, man, and it seemed to work fine for us because we all fit the description, the profile. Well, I tell you what, I won't, I'm going to get to the bottom of it because I got 
just about all the guys you name coming on this week because this is the <laughs> itty bitty small committee week mixed in with yeah. a little Charlie McBride on Tuesday. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, Coach which, McBride, yeah, the, the man. Yeah, that ought to be that ought to be good. But I think people don't realize that you guys were the starting receivers that had to block for the likes of the Calvin Jones and the Derrick Browns and the Lawrence Phillips and those guys alike and, and you know, Damon Benny, Clint Childs. Let, let's go yeah. on. You had you, – you actually got to, got to get out there with Scott Baldwin. Yep. And, yep. and, 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 and uh, who else? Who else was out there? What other running backs would have been right before? Let's see. No, nah, that's about it. I think I touched yeah, on. Yeah, uh, yeah. We had Leotis Flowers, Leotis. Scotty B. Yeah, yeah. And I think you named all of them. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and well, what what people don't understand is without the blocks that you guys were throwing down the field, all those times like when those guys are running wide open. 60 yards, 80 yard runs. It's because you guys blocked. Yeah, downfield. Yeah. Why is Better the believe. cut block outlaw downfield? Because I feel like they did that for us. Because you're right, we were blocking downfield. Yeah, blocking. Those were important keys, you know, because let little be known that you never knew. We would expect to break, make long plays, but you you just never knew, especially with. With somebody like Tommy Frazier under the, you know, on the center, you never know. Tommy mess around and break 40, 45 at any moment. So of course, you know, downfield we got to make sure we pancaking guys. You got to be down. You know, we made it work, and we got graded for that. Yeah. So, so how were you able to be successful, being at your size and stature? To say that not only you you, you excelled at the University of Nebraska but probably was one of the best blockers as well. Hey, we practice, you know, practice make perfect, man. We, we truly practice that. I think coach Brown, that was, you know, one of the sessions that we always had to respect and live up to because we practice that, you know, it's just like route running, you know, and we kind of transform that into one, you know, I would make you think that I'm, I'm around a post and corner. And when I'm going to the corner, guess what? I'm wiping your legs down. And next thing you know, here's here's one of the running backs or uh, uh, T. Frey coming past me, you know, on for six. You know, I might run across the field like I'm running a drag, a dig route. And guess what? Little be known, I act like I'm going to catch the ball when you try to play it. I cut you. So we kind of put DBs kind of on their toes because they really didn't know what we were going to do. If we were going to run a route or we're going to cut you because they used to worry about being cut. Up, you know, they didn't want to hit the turf. So and we made it happen. So, so you would have been the last breed of the three-point stands receivers at Nebraska. How, <laughs> how how'd you feel being able to stand up finally after all those years of putting that hand down? Man, I tell you what, man, I felt like a kid in the candy store. You know, it kind of felt like now I'm finally uh, on the level to get ready to play on Sunday. You know. I, I, I've never seen it. I respected it, you know, uh, when we were doing it. And I, I can tell you, I think against Oklahoma uh, that year we went to the Orange Bowl back in 91 or whatever it was, I had a shoulder injury. And getting down in that three-point stance, man, was painful. And I couldn't wait to stand up. And once we finally got a chance when they brought that rule in, I, mean, I think we celebrated through a party. What? So what year was that that they – so that was an actual rule. No more three point stands out there, is that right? Yeah, with us. Yeah, yeah. I think I think or the you last just other was ninety one. Okay, ninety one was the last year we we was in a three point stand. Ninety two, we were all in two point stands then. Yeah, Dang, that's not that long ago. I thought <laughs> I thought when I came, you know, you I grew up. You know, I'm from Nebraska, so I grew up watching. But you don't really realize until you go back and watch again. You know, in this with this mind frame, like these dudes was in three point stands catching yep. balls. Three point stands, yeah, running routes, coming off the line. With, with, you, you know, you got a, a DB that's pressing you, and you coming out of three point stands. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Deep Dana Brinson and, and, and all them guys were master. They were pros at it. You know, they didn't get a chance to stand up in twos. You know, in the two point stand. 
So I was, you know, in the last, you know, I think my last year, uh, me, T. Hughes, uh, Nate, we were in a three, three point, not my last year, but I think their last year, mm-hmm. Nate's last year, we were still in threes. Tyrone Hughes came back the year after, and he was in a two-point stand. So he was he was he was one of the last as well. You know when when you yep. when you when you think back to Nebraska football, what would you say is the number one tradition? So when we when we like you know you, you have conversations all the time about Nebraska football, but what would you say is the number one pr- tradition that we had that made us Nebraska? You know, I, I I I feel like we lack people are not afraid in Nebraska like they used to be. You know what I'm saying? I think right now we're you know, we're a peon in the system. You know, people don't have that respect, you know. Even when you talk about the black shirts, you know, the black shirts, you know, they might want to face the black shirts. You know, then with the with the kind of offense the the people we had on offense, man, they was like Man, that's that's something to reckon with. Nebraska, when you talking about playing Nebraska, these boys just going to come up and 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 be headhunters. And I'm talking about on offense and defense, both sides of the ball. I'm talking throughout. So I just feel like we kind of missing that that respect factor on who we are because I don't care what side of the ball you was on, we we was knocking heads off. You how know, do you, how do you get it back? It how do you get it back? I mean, we we we, we got to bring that street mentality back. You know, we we gotta we gotta take away, you know, in my opinion, some of that that the, the nice boy mentality, and we need to bring some some cats that that are not afraid to to get put on uh uh uh, uh, uh you know uh, suspension based off of of a UNS call. You know what I'm saying? Because as long as it's not you know over the top, but somebody not afraid to talk back. You know, cause we used to talk noise. You know, Man. they talk noise to us, and I know they forbid it a little bit. Cash yeah, money records. You said what now? I said we used to talk cash money records. I hey. thought I was the only one, but I, I now see that's the tradition I'm talking about because cash was talking crazy at practice and in the yeah. games. <laughs> hey, I'm gonna tell you this. You know, I I mean I think Tremaine, you know, was 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 on a receiving crew, but you know he was a big guy. We was playing Missouri, man, and somebody was talking noise to Tremaine. And Tremaine was just walking by like, hey, going on. I ran up to old dude, got into his face and, like, keep talking that smack. Watch what I do to you. You know, I'm coming for you. You know, and we steady talking. They had the ref come had to pull me up off of him. Mm. T.O. talked to me at halftime. You know, Corey, you all right? I'm good, coach. I'm just ready. You know, mm. so I just think we got to bring that hard-nosed game back. That's that's part of football. Well, I tell you what, man. I I I am. I got one more segment with you. Hopefully, you'll be able to come right back. I'm gonna put you on a brief hold, and then we're gonna dig into a couple of more questions. It never seems like I have enough time, Corey. But oh, man, you good, man. I, I appreciate it. But I tell you what, I'll be back. The ticket, ninety three point seven. Back with Vershawn Jackson on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. Captain Show with Corey Dixon, the general of the Itty Bitty Receiving Committee. Uh, yeah, yeah. Man, did, did, yeah, I mean, did, does that song do anything to you when you hear that? You know, it's game time, man. Man. You know, it, it, it's game time. When I, you know, that, that's, that, yeah, yeah, my hair is standing up, my adrenaline flowing. I'm ready to get out there and see some action. You, you put the headphones on now when you reffing? And get ready. You get you, you. You still got a pregame ritual you go to hey, now that you a ref. Yeah, yeah. I still do. My, I, I still. I still. You know. I get out there and give my pregame ritual as if I'm playing, man. You know. I get out there before a game and, you know, I, I still jog. I get around. I stretch. You know. I go through. Th- I think I had a coach, uh, from uh, 
where, where was he at? Uh, one of the college coaches seen me working out, man. He came out there. He said, I can tell you we're a receiver. You know, I was like, yeah, I, I still get it in, you know. How how fast were you and how fast are you now at 40-something? I ain't going to give it away. But 40-something yeah. years old, how fast? Man, you- back in my prime, man, you know, my fastest – my fastest forty, man. They they had me the four two eight, and and the hundred. I had uh, I was winning the race with nobody pushing pulling me, and I went ten one nine and and got beat at the tape by knee, and he went ten zero nine. So that that was pushing some speed here in Texas. Uh, guy to John Tyler. Uh, today, that- if I had to run the forty, man, I'm gonna probably give you. You know, a four five, high four five, eight. You know, that's still I ain't trying to hurt myself. That's, I mean, at the the best I've ever did, I went four five five, and that was me working out with a personal trainer two times a day, and I got up to about two fifty five, and I was just that was just getting after it. But you won the hundred in Texas as a sophomore, four A, right? Yeah, uh, it was my junior year. Junior year. Well, it, yeah. It, when I was doing my investigation, there was somebody that you couldn't beat in 100 and 200. And I was saying to myself, well, who would that have been? They had to be fast. Well, you know, we're here in Texas, man. I mean, guys, I mean, you got you got a guy out of Greenville, Texas, man, that I seen, witnessed him go 999 on the board. You know, he running 999. I mean, I mean, Man, you know, it's guys that don't even run track that just sit in the classroom, come to class could, could, with speedsters. So, and, and you also have to understand when my senior year, when I went to state, man, I really wasn't in tune because I had just committed, did my letter of intent to Nebraska. Uh, Jack Pierce and those guys come to see me, but I, I was like, man, I'm getting ready to come out of here. I'm getting ready to go to college. So I really wasn't as focused as, as I should have been, and I didn't run well. So the guys that I used to, you know, beat, them guys finally, they, they used to practice to beat me, and I just didn't pre- prepare well, and I didn't perform well at all. What What's the key to a, to a fast – what's the secret to being fast, besides besides the God-given talent? Uh, technique, knowing, knowing, knowing how to run. I think I learned how to run and use my speed – uh, my freshman year in high school, man, you know, I had a high school coach, man, he rest in peace, uh, Coach Stan, he he taught me how to run. And one thing about me, I was always quick, you know what I'm saying? So I would practice coming out the blocks with my eyes closed, and he would throw, you know, he always had keys, a lot of keys on his chain, and he would throw them up in the air, and I would just have to listen to them, go up in the air when they come down and get close, and once they hit the ground, I would take off. So I could take off on a dime. So in a heat before I take off or, or in a meet, I would start listening to the guy who's doing the gun like about five, you know, uh, five heats before me. I would just concentrate on, on how he would shoot the gun. And, and when it was my time to come out the blocks, man, I was with him. I could time it just right. And I can guarantee you when I came out the blocks, I was already five meters ahead of the pack before they came out the blocks. Wow. Just and, 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 and I think that's, you know, just like blocking, just like stock blocking, just like, you know, combo reading, you know, double reading and, and things like that. You got to learn how to do that. That's not something that you come into Nebraska that you're equipped with. No, you're, nah. you're doing in practice. Right. Talking right. about practice. How many Man, balls practice. would they throw back at Nebraska in practice? Man, you know, to be honest with you, man, we threw the balls. I think Abdul and myself or the itty-bitty small committee or the receivers, man, we, we threw the ball as if we were a run-and-shoot team. We threw we threw all the time. You know what I'm talking about? We, and, and we had to catch. Before we would leave practice, we would have to catch 100 balls a day. You know, so we would catch, 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 catch. When we go against the defense or 7-on-7, seven seven, I mean, we catch and catch and catch, catch, catch. Even – on two-minute offense, when we start working on our two-minute game, guess what? Nine out of ten times, we passing the ball downfield with the noise on. Mm-hmm. So we throw, 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 throw every day. I mean, that was like clockwork. 
So it was like we throw so much and then we get to the game and it's kind of like, man, you know, we only have, what, 18 catches for the year, you know. Uh, you know. And- Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then... Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure.